Hello and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Cater.com. I'm Lance Lotnarayan and in each programme we invite top names from the world of hospitality to discuss recruitment, development, retention as well as matters affecting you and your teams. Now today we're going to be talking about um, challenges um, that employers are facing right now as we re we record this we're about to uh hospitality is about to reopen indoor uh service um very exciting but of course it brings a whole load of new challenges um specifically what what gaps have appeared in the fallout from the pandemic not just from covid but but from brexit as well and we're going to be looking at those hurdles um and particularly what skills are going to be required um, to rebuild a strong workforce and how important is that that employers address this issue now and how do they maintain it moving moving forward if this new way of working is going to continue so there's a lot to discuss and I'm delighted to say that I have three incredible guests as always um, <laughs> with me today all experts in their field and i'm going to let them introduce themselves to you right now i'm adam harwood uh head of learning and development at dnd london i'm claudia mitura i'm a work psychologist learning and development specialist and a, a co-host of the podcast and happiness and i'm sally prescott the director of zest for life who offer learning and development for customer service and leadership. Thank you all for joining me today. I'm, I'm delighted to have you. Thank you. Um, I'd like to begin uh, by, by asking you, um, what do you feel, each of you, what do you feel is driving the need for new roles and new workplace structures? Uh, there's a number of factors, but in your opinion, what do you think? Sally, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think um, the customers really need reassuring. So I'm, I'm not sure whether it's new roles, but I just think we need to heighten our hospitality and um, really give our customers confidence to come back into our businesses and to, to listen to them, basically, and respond accordingly to you know what they say to us. Um, I think there are new roles, but I'm sure we'll come to that. But um, yeah, but I really think from a customer point of view, we re really need to reassure them that it's going to be OK. Adam? Yeah, I, I would agree, actually. I think that both from a customer point of view, I mean, when we went through the first reopening, you know, the all the focus was on making sure the customer felt safe. Um, so I would say definitely... Um, customer and the safety of our staff as well um, but I don't know at the moment if it's necessarily new roles I think it's maybe new mindsets uh, about uh, how we approach work potentially. All right what about you Claudia? Yeah I completely agree I think it's about not necessarily new roles but new working practices and as much as we need to ensure the customers as Sally mentioned to really welcome them to the businesses it's also about uh, those well-being aspects uh, of the staff and staff having of clarity of how their jobs are changing and how the new working practices are impacting their roles. Um, so I think definitely this combination of customer reassurance and staff reassurance coming together. Um, 
it, it, okay, so even though we are going to be reopening um, indoor hospitality, we're not out of the woods yet. There's still um, protocols that have to be in place. Um, it's new training. It's new. The training that was given, you know, at the end of the first lockdown, is that going to carry over, or is there are there new is there new training that needs to be done? Does that have to be maintained? I, I think that I think that the training still stands. I think that we when we went out. Uh, with our when when we first reopened again we we had a whole bunch of training for for staff going back into the sites with webinars and resources to prepare everyone and for the next reopening the this reopening right now we've done exactly the same thing but it's about reminding people that we that you know don't rest on your laurels you need to stay the standards need to stay as high as they were and it's about making sure that managers are following the right protocol still and um, even things like in every site we have like a covid champion to make sure that those behaviors are sticking uh, because you're asking people to change their habits you know everything from how they go to work what they're like at work you know how they interact with their uh, peers etc all of that is brand new habits that you have to make sure that um, you almost have to um, unlearn the way they used to work and used to operate. Um, so I think it's important that you just constantly remind staff that this is a new way of working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, S Sally, right now, wh which roles do you believe are are essential right now? Well, front, you know, guest facing, customer facing, most definitely. But I, I do think that there are some new roles that are going to come into play. And I think it's customer relationship management roles um, where we really look at data about where our customers are now coming from. What are they actually wanting? And I think there are, you know, analysis roles that need to be put in place. You know, um, I can definitely speak from a hotel point of view that revenue management is a big, big part of running a successful business. But I think now there's bolt-ons to that. I think there's almost going to be a team of people who are going to be looking at the predictions for the future to ensure that we can be ready for those changes and to be far more agile than we have been. I think the last 12 months has you know, some amazing things that have happened where we've seen businesses being super agile and offering takeaway services and all kinds of wonderful things. Um, and I just think, you know, that's the way we need to think forever, basically, and, and looking at how we can do things differently. Right. Ada, at D&D, what, what skills are essential right now? Oh, mate, it's That's a big question, Lance, because I think that, like, right now it's about... I think it's all about hiring, getting back and recruiting the the all of the skills we need. And I think that some of them, you know, across the board, it's front of house, back of house. Um, I so it's it's hard to pinpoint right now exactly certain sort of top skills we need. I think it's all about getting the staff back and um, getting the numbers we need to kind of fill our headcount to offer the service to our customers at the moment. And I feel like, you know, one of the one of the questions that we talked about before was about what you know what roles what uh roles are really essential i think that you know every single role is really essential but ones i feel like are you're hard pressed to to get now and the ones that are really tough to recruit for um are things like you know really specialist roles like your sommeliers and kind of cocktail bartenders etc those those sort of roles are really 
but you've got to really hang on to and keep and retain and motivate those members of staff because if you lose them, then you, you that knowledge walks out the door as well. So, yeah, but I think it's really hard to pinpoint the skills. We just need the all the staff to come back and then, of course, we can start to look at how we reskill and upskill those members of staff that are in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Claudia, what, what role do you feel learning and development has to play here? Oh, a huge one, as Go always. On. Go on. <laughs> um, I think it really starts with looking at the data and information that Sally uh, said from customer point of view, but also from a staff perspective. And very much L&D, really, in my perspective, should be there to build a very solid strategy. And that strategy shouldn't be only based on compliance training that we all have to do because we're returning, but also about those future skills like emotional intelligence, so we can provide fantastic, exceptional customer service. Uh, your digital skills, because we are digitalizing a lot. I mean, this year proved that we can really move very quickly from one day to another, from face-to-face -to, -face to online if we need to. But are the do you have those digital skills in place? Um, and also, uh, we're asking our staff to be constantly dealing with change. That And change means stress. So also, L&D can help with looking at the people well-being and helping them to maintain certain resilience levels. Um, so I really think that the kind of L&D should be very much data-driven, strategy level, and really expanding beyond that compliance training that we sometimes think L&D is only there to provide. Lance, I, I, I really agree with Claudia there, actually. I think pe people data is so important and sometimes L&D doesn't do that. Sometimes just L&D, um, you know, just, I guess, guesses and has a mm -hmm. hunch on what what's going on rather than actually digs into the people data. And I think it's really important that understanding things, things like how many people are leaving in the first three months, how many people are failing their probation period, that type of data is so important and will lead you to know what the priority and the biggest pain points are. But I think L&D, where they can really help, because I, I think all of the people teams can help. I think reward, I think, you know, people partners, I think obviously talent can as well, but L&D, where they are at their best, I think at the transitions that people go through. So when people mm -hmm. start in the business, start in the company to get them up and running and get them onboarded. But also when managers, new managers come into the role, I think a lot of time in hospitality, people are promoted very quickly and they're not given the tools to support teams. So that's where L&D can really help, I think, at the points of transition. Sally. Yeah, and I, I think what, you know, just to build on what Claudia said, for me, it's about that clarity. We really need to understand what success looks like for so we can then enable our teams to to achieve that success you know again what adam says it's a hunch you know we do what we think is right but actually i think we need more now clarity and accountability so that we, we see that return on investment so that lnd really does add value and i think it is that you know up to now it's been that soft nice to do but actually it's it's really crucial with all this agility, with the change that Claudia has talked about. And also, I think from a leadership point of view and going to the emotional intelligence is it really is our role as a leader to really nurture and take care of our team and make sure that they are set up for success and they are feeling confident and feeling good about what they're doing. Um, and I think that's needed more now than ever before. I think in hospitality, we we have pockets of really great performance, but there are some that are still, you know, in the mindset of 
you know, hospitality is long hours and hard work and little pay and all those things. And actually, it's a really great industry and it doesn't have to be like that at all. And, you know, if we're going to keep the talent that Adam's talking about, the smelliers, we really need to get serious about L&D, you know, really serious about it. So are you saying it really needs to be embedded in company culture? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All of you on that on the same page? Yeah, definitely. And I think also as well, it's not just L&D's job. I think you can utilise the expertise that already exists in the business. You know, I think that and because that's why that way they can showcase what does good look like, um, you know, mm. rather than just you know, rolling out management training, understand what a good manager looks like at D&D &D and go, right, OK, that's what we're based the training on. And you can also like, build it out from there. So I think it's a case of disseminating some of the expertise that already exists in your in your organisation, really. And I think also coming back to that idea of data and research, I mean, there is so much research done through occupational psychology of what, for instance, what good management look like, mm -hmm. uh, but we, we forget about it because we're kind of in the midst in it and you really want to kind of implement something quickly and there are a few fires that as L&D you have to put down, but actually there is a vast um, amount of research out there of what this that, that someone done of what do we need as organization to be successful so let's go back to experts who know have that knowledge and then as Adam said implement it within the organization fantastic thank you thank you all for that that's, that's brilliant um I just want to move on so following on from what you've what you've said are employers having to adjust their hiring strategies how how do they do this, Adam? I think they've got to be quick to do it, Lance, um, because you know every, everyone's in the same everyone's in the same boat right now, and I think that we've all got to pull together as one industry. I think and like brainstorm because we're all in the same situation. You know, I feel like it's tough out there right now. You know, getting getting new people into hospitality. It's, it was always been tough, but now it's even tougher. Um, so I think that, you know, what we can what you can do as an organization is really work on your EVP and understand what makes you unique um, and really kind of showcasing that and standing behind that. You know, what what makes your what's what gives your company the, the competitive edge? I think that's really important to highlight. And I think for D&D, &D, for example, you know, we've got a diverse range of restaurants, you know, such a diverse range that people can work in different sites. And I think that's something we need to highlight more because it makes us slightly different from maybe another um, operator. Uh, of course, you've also got to highlight the likes of, you know, good career progression. And I think other factors are really important to people now, like, for example, giving back and charity and sustainability, those sort of things mm. you need to talk about more. Um, but overall, I think, yeah, it, it's really tough now. If you're not doing it now, like highlighting what makes you unique, highlighting your brand, highlighting why people should come to you as an employer of choice, you need to start doing it quick. Otherwise, you'll be left behind, I think. Mm. Yeah. Sally? Yeah, I mean, what's springing to mind as Adam, Adam speaks is a, a, a community investment company that um, Sam Coolstock has uh, set up, which is called mm -hmm. Inspire. And what his mission is, is to stimulate minds about future careers. So what he's doing is linking um, motivators, so people to go into schools to really showcase exactly what Adam's just saying. And this is a mm -hmm. charitable activity as well. And 
um, really stimulate people's minds to understand that there are huge opportunities from a career perspective in hospitality. It's not just what people think is a waiter and a chef. There's so, so, so much more to it than that. And I just don't think people are, are really aware of that. So, um, yeah, we, I think we really need to start right now, as Adam says, is in those young people's minds, the 12 year olds. Because in mm. 10 years' time, we'll then hopefully have some really great talent in hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be talking about that on, on the on a new podcast uh, next week. So oh. uh, we're going to have a whole a whole other program about that. Claudia, what do you have anything to add to this? Yeah, I would definitely say that the hiring manager needs to shift their mindset a little bit. I think mm. the times of uh, recruiting fee people for culture fit are all, all long gone, and start think recruiting for culture add and then suddenly your pool of people will increase. Uh, but if you are very kind of narrow if in your requirements and you're really looking for people who will 100% fit your culture, you will struggle. Think about culture ad, really. What yeah. kind of from diverse backgrounds, diverse experiences people can come on board that can actually add to your culture. Yeah. Uh, I think that's very important and that's a shift that has to happen at the hiring stage for managers. I, I agree. We'll overskill, I think, at this point. I think that, you know, if you can hire someone who's got the attitude um, and the right mindset to work in hospitality, it doesn't matter if they've had a CV filled with other places in hospitality. If they can come in and they can do a good mm. job, then, you know, I think it's that's an interesting one, that particularly for us as an organisation as well, is maybe having that conversation with managers about potentially lowering expectations a little bit, because, you know, it's all about when they come into the business, if you can train them up to the standard you want, then that's mm -hmm. absolutely fine. But, you know, maybe just lowering expectations of what's out there at the moment on the market in terms of uh, hiring talent. Yeah. And also, I think it's about making sure we f make them feel good about not knowing everything about their job, yeah. you know, uh, and as yeah, long yeah, as, yeah. and that's where we lose them potentially in the first three months, we need to have that feel good factor that they, they love what they're doing and love the learning and all the other fabulous things that we offer. Yeah. Skills can be taught. You can't teach personality and enthusiasm and the desire to do well. So that's one of those. That's what I keep telling all my bosses anyway. <laughs> uh, um, one, one thing that um, um, co this COVID pandemic has revealed to us is uh, the hybrid way of working. Um, and digital has become a big part, even more. I mean, it was a big part already, but it's become even more essential now um a new i mean are new ways of training going to be having to come in new skills training to accommodate this new way of working i mean adam at dnd &D, is this going to be something that's going to carry on yeah we had a lot of success with a platform that we released over lockdown um we call it dnd &D connect it's basically online uh, resources that people could access on their phone on demand um and we actually when we put it out there, we didn't realize what the take up would be and what the appetite would be, but we we probably underestimated people's um, how tech savvy people are and how how people want to access stuff on the go. Um, and I, I think as well, you know, I've come from other industries before, like uh, retail um, and uh, I was in fintech before that. And I think that even in, more in hospitality than any other industry, 
it's really tough to take people off the floor, you know, take them off the floor to be in a training room. If you can help them on the job um, and whether it, whether it be just something that's accessible for them to access, like they need help with a problem, then they can access it either by their phone or their laptop so they don't have to stop work to come to a room to be trained. Then I think I'm all for it at the moment. And there's, uh, you know, I think a lot of previous practices with L&D and hospitality were all about bringing people together. Now, I absolutely think it's good to bring people together, but not all the time. I think if you can have a have a training conversation over Zoom or you can teach skills in an online resource or video, then absolutely do it. I don't think it's always essential to bring people together and be in a room with them because that just slows it down. And everyone is so time poor at the moment that we you need digital to kind of keep up with the pace at the moment. What do you think about that, Claudia? Um, yes, absolutely agreed. I'm fully for digital. And I think nowadays we have so many amazing mediums. I mean, even podcasts are amazing way of learning. Thank you very much. Um, That's a plug there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a plug. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, I think it's just that we don't, as, as I was saying, we don't need to go through this rigid classroom environment and also uh, let's move on towards this bite-sized learning that, you know, I have a quick question and I want to answer it and I want to know the answer. I, I want to know quickly how to do something. Yeah. Um, so definitely digital. I think I would say that I think that because people also need to have that sense of belonging and connection, I wouldn't completely in the future, and I'm hoping it won't happen, that the kind of uh, classroom environment will completely go away. I think it will be more like a hybrid environment that will have people, some people in the room for some time uh, and some people logging in from different locations because technology will allow you to do that. But I think um, that we do need to kind of maintain that sense of belonging a little bit as well. And training and network uh, allows us for that networking and collaboration to happen. So I think I kind of am for a middle ground. If that, if, if I could choose. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sally's looking pensive. <laughs> I'm agreeing. I think I think it needs a bit of everything. Basically, the big thing for me, well, one from the leadership point of view, um, coaching is hugely powerful, um, because you know whilst I offer leadership programs, and obviously I think that's great for pulling people together and sharing best practice. I also think that people want a, a quick fix. So, you know, I've got an issue. I don't know how to do this. And where do people go for safety to overcome those issues? So I think, you know, one hour coaching sessions are hugely powerful for leaders for the future. And I think that would be really so mentoring as well. Same same thing, really. But also what I really hope is that that leaders will touch base with people to say, you know, have you got it? You know, so they build that trust. So you you watch that podcast, you attended that training you know the leader needs confidence that the person knows how to do it but also they need to know that they know how to do it so it's all very well a good attending anything it's about is it applied applied and and used basically i agree i uh, one other thing on the on the on the topic of digital is it, it, there's so much content online i think the important thing is the temptation to fill a platform or fill people's heads with loads of content you found on Google. Avoid doing that, I think, if possible, and just go, right, okay, what's the context of the organization? Like, what do you, 
if you focus on context rather than content, then I think you'll be helping your people a lot better because that way you understand like, okay, can I, how can I help a leader at D&D? It's probably a lot different to how can I help a leader at any other hospitality operator. I think it's a key, it's important not to flood this stuff with content because that content is so widely available on the internet. Think about what makes successful people at D&D or the you know, hospitality organization you're working at. And that will hopefully mean you're not just, you know, serving up lots and lots of articles and resources and videos that really don't mean anything to anyone at your company. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I just wanted to add it that they have to you have you need to have this L and D at the top kind of really guiding that. So you have this almost quality assurance of the content saying, yeah, this is mm. a great content that explains the concept, but what does that mean to my organization? Mm. What do I want specifically manager to take on board and apply? And if you really clear with that, then people will really value that training and they'll be more likely to attend it or listen to it or watch it in the future if they know that's translated for the role. So it makes it very relevant for them. Great. Yeah. Claudia, what, what, what do you feel is the is the balance between reskilling, upskilling and multi-skilling? <laughs> oh, my God. Discuss. <laughs> Discuss. Um, I personally think that, again, it's very much I would be working closely with managers and looking at what is needed for that team. I really wouldn't try to have a ratio that applies for everyone. And if the manager really understands the, the potential and the skills within their team, they can create professional development plans for each individual member to help them then decide, okay, this person needs uh, upskilling because they are progressing within that role, all the role expanded, or that's, that person role, because of expanded, we need to multi-skill them, etc. So I think it's very much working with, as L&D manager, I'll be wanting to work with my managers to really understand that skill need at the team level i wouldn't necessarily personally would want to have a specific formula of this is balance uh, because it just changes and it will change from one month to another uh, whilst we're going through that massive transition that adam was saying on those transition points everyone is experiencing different skill needs and the manager needs to be there to really decide on reskilling upskilling or multi-skilling rather than me as lnd trying to push my strategy into them saying this is what you need to do what do you think sally Oh, I, I mean, all what's going on in my head is it's all about where the business is going. So I totally agree with Claudia. It is about different strokes for different folks, for different scenarios, what the business needs. It, you know, there there isn't a one size fits all. It is about what is needed right now with the unique people that we have in, in position and what actually do we need the business to be doing um, and then finding the right people to go into those roles so you, okay well, how have you been dealing with all of this at D&D Adam um I think trying to take it in a kind of staged approach um I think that's really important I agree with Sally you know that it's about what's important right now and I think what's important right now is absolutely reskilling people that have been off for like how many months getting them back up to speed is really important and then I think we can look at once once we've got everyone back into position, everyone's working, we can then, okay, look, we need to upskill. We need to look at what the future managers of tomorrow, how can we bring them up and make sure that we've got that progression and that succession plan. 
multi-skilling is an interesting one, Lance, because, you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're going to train a general manager to also to be a head chef. It's kind of like trying to, where, where do you draw the line with that? I think it's basically, I think we, I think we need to review staffing and that's really important. Understand like, okay, are we going to be so low, low on headcount that we need to look across um, roles and make them a hybrid role so they can do a number of things. And maybe you look at the, how we used to, have our structures in our restaurants and maybe reconsider and reevaluate what they look like because but at the moment we're not at that stage yet where we're looking at multi-skilling um we're de- we're all about reskilling and upskilling our, our managers and getting to that point but the multi-skilling one i think is time will tell across hospitality what it's going to be like when you know we really understand the staffing crisis um and you know things like brexit really take hold of how much multi-skilling we might need to do going forward yeah yeah absolutely um moving on slightly i mean or or back you touched on this earlier claudia um in the midst of all of this uh we've all become very aware uh of how changes um well, but basically everything that's happened, it's affected people in a very personal level mm. um, and the importance of mental health issues and communication has become really important. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is to um, address these issues on an individual basis? OK, so I think um, from a well-being perspective, um, I would encourage even more managers to have those well-being catch-ups to be able to understand how the each individual team is reacting to the change. Because in a kind of well-being terms, you will have people who will be very excited about the change, but they will very quickly may have start having a signs of a burnout if they kind of straight into it. Um, you will have people who will be still quite anxious about the change and returning to the workplace. Again, you will, will need to think how we are addressing that anxiety. And finally, you have people who are completely disengaged. And again, how do we engage them back? How do we um, recover and ignite that passion for the business again? So I think as a manager, all of those are kind of well-being checkings to understand how people are feeling about the return uh, back to work. Why is it important? Well, because we know from research uh, on happiness in the workplace that miserable people do miserable work. So if you want uh, your business really to be thriving, you need to really look after the happiness of your employees uh, and then their productivity and collaboration and uh, meeting your business objectives will follow. Sally. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? I just think, yes, that's what we want to say, is happiness in the workplace. But I just, I really hope that the whole 12 months has really made us understand that we really need to care about people and also to be respectful of what's going on in their home lives, you know, in their lives generally. So we don't just, you know, take this person for the job that they do with us actually understand what's going on behind them and find ways of working together and that will also then help our reputation as an industry is that we do care about people and we do look after them and the thing is we have massive flexibility at the end of the day if you can't work Saturday night that's fine because there's a whole pile of other nights that you can work (laughs) you know at the end of the day stop making people do these crazy things that 
we can work around, you know, it's all doable. Um, I just think we need to have a very open mind to say we're dealing with people here, hearts and minds and bodies that need to be looked after. We're not robots. No, no, we're not. Absolutely not. Yet. not. <laughs> uh, Adam, Adam. Yeah, um, over lockdown, we put our managers through uh, and head chefs, um, the mental health first aid training. Um, and, you know, like there was some really encouraging feedback that came from that, actually, in terms of just promoting the conversation you know it was it was not that it wasn't a conversation before but the fact that we we were putting them through it showed a lot of commitment that we care about this and we want our managers to care about it so you know hopefully as a result that will then you know disseminate to the team as well and I think but it can't just be a tick box I think this is this is really really important I think that we recognize that just by putting managers on one course that focus on mental health it needs to be something that runs through the whole business and awareness of you know speaking up when you're you know you're not feeling too good I think that that's got to come from that's got to come from everyone that's got to be a culture and a mindset that everyone feels it can't just be uh, on managers back to do that um so i feel like we've we've started that journey lance at the moment uh but and we've got a bit of a way to go um but definitely we've started having more of those conversations and build up a bit more awareness in our own organization so mm, sally please yeah yeah i was just you know backing to back up what adam's just saying there and you know we talked about leadership development for you know developing the leaders of the future but i think and it's aligned with um um emotional intelligence is self-awareness um, is a massive thing because I still think there's room for improvement with regards to senior leaders, leaders who are currently in place. And I really think people need to have the courage to stand up to those people to say, you know, we need to change the way we do things. And actually, Am I being a little bit unfair in the way I'm treating my team? Am I expecting them to, you know, move mountains tomorrow when actually that's just unrealistic kind of thoughts? Because um, there's, there's still a lot of people who think they're amazing leaders and actually someone needs to say, actually, there's room for improvement and let's have a conversation, you know. I mean, that that's potentially, I mean, that's a minefield. Yes, I know. Right. So how, how do you approach that? How do you, I mean, someone's got to do it, but how do you do that? Well, uh, just from my experience, and this isn't necessarily within a hospitality organisation, but the, the senior manager who, who I was working with and have a lot of respect for, and, you know, he's amazing, amazing, amazing. But actually how he spoke to people, and in this case spoke to me in this, in this particular situation, I was really offended by it. I, you know, I wasn't happy. So I just thought, well, what, what, what could I do? I can go moan to everybody behind his back, or do I go and speak to him and say, I didn't find that acceptable and that wasn't good for me, you know, and I just don't expect to be treated or spoken to like that. And that I spoke to him privately and sort of outlined what my expectation was. And any time it happens now, I pull him up about it because it's about raising that awareness time and time again i don't think one conversation is enough but it's somebody we need to be respectful in how we deal with people and and actually it's respectful to speak speak to people to say that wasn't good um and is it aligned to what we're trying to do here you know 
I think the dial is changed. The dial is moving slightly. I think there's some really good stuff happening in hospitality with mental health, and I think that the conversation is starting to be more positive. I think Sally's right. I think that maybe you know the 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 old way of what you what you see on the, even things like the TV and the films or kind of popular culture of um, of the hospitality world of shouting at people to get things done. That's not the way it is now. They're not the way it has to be now. And there's a lot more conversations, positive conversations and initiatives, I think, heading in the right direction that really promotes positive mental health. So I feel like we're on definitely on that journey, I think, you know, so I think it's just about continuing to have the conversations and promoting it in, in hospitality because it's, there is still sometimes, you know, bad behaviors that slip through still, you know, that, you know, and it's, it's a shame when you hear it, that people slip back into old ways and old patterns. And I think that they need to remind that we are working in a very tough, organized, a tough industry. Um, and you need to look after people. Otherwise those people leave mm-hmm. and, you know, you're already in a bad staffing issue already with people leaving. So it's, it's important you keep the people you've got and look after them. Mm. And I think just to add to it, if we want to move on to that, uh, move into this um, learning on the job, there has to be component of a feedback, a constant feedback that mm. is both ways. And I think that will allow to start opening up those conversations. So if we culturally shift towards a constant feedback, then it won't be really feeling weird if someone is giving me feedback about my behavior on the spot and how that affected them and vice versa. It will be just a normal conversation of this is how I feel, this is what I expect. And some of that feedback, and when I say feedback, it's very also important to remember about positive feedback, reinforcing the positive mm. behavior. So not only giving to someone feedback because they screw up, uh, giving them feedback when they're doing absolutely amazing things in the workplace. Um, so hopefully we'll move into those daily conversations of little feedback that will amount to that big uh, kind of picture of how do we work together and what's good and what's not good. That does really create a real feel-good factor. You know, I was very privileged to be in a team that where we really nurtured that kind of approach. And there was massive learning for me personally of room for improvement. And I, I do believe it's helped me on my way. You know, it, it's really, really important. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 re- I remember speaking to um, probably the most famous chef in the world um, who explained to me why he behaved the way he did. Um, and he actually came across as quite remorseful and wished that it wasn't that way. He said, I never got patted when I was learning, I never got patted on the back for messing up. Although he didn't say messing up, he used another word, <laughs> but, um, but, but he, he actually was that sort of was resigned to that's the way that it is. Yeah. But, it's so good to see that it's not that way anymore. You know, hospitality is a welcoming place. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you can, it can benefit you personally. So that's a, a really good way of, 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 um, of, of trying to bring new people into the, into the business. Look, I, time's running out on this, but I want to, I want to thank you all for joining me. But before I let you go, oh, no. I do want to ask you for, each one top tip what's your... <laughs> <laughs> what one one just the one claudia what's your top tip for best re-engaging teams upon their return uh, uh, one. just one okay yeah. uh, i would definitely say clarity uh, lots of change, lots of transition for us. Be very, very clear 
of what's expected of people, what are the new working practices and how you'll be supporting them. That's my top tip. Okay, Adam. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to say it again, Lance. So I'm going to reuse one of my old, uh, <laughs> my previous uh, points. Uh, I think context over content. I think that there is so much noise out there. There's so much going on, and people will be watching the news and reading their own information about stuff. You know, coming back into work. So it's important that you know you you help uh, people. You know, with to to appoint Claudia Claudia uh, Claudia's word, which is clarity. You help people with clarity of what do you need from them. What do you need? What do you need them to do when they come back to work? And you focus on the context of your organisation, not just give them content that will get them lost and confused and uh, create ambiguity. I think it's important that you provide context for the role, the organisation that you're working in. Sally, I'd say it's listen. Um, so really listen to your customers, really listen to your team, take on board what's being said and respond appropriately. Don't just listen and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to really understand what's going on for people and then respond appropriately. Brilliant. I want to thank all of you for joining me today. This has been a great conversation. It really has. And uh, you've been brilliant. So thank you very, very much indeed. Um, join us next time on Recruiting and Hospitality. Uh, we're going to have uh, a lot more uh, content uh, regarding um, uh, culture, regarding, uh, again, some more sk uh, skills updates as well. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, which is at catera.com. That's catera, D-O-T-C-O-M. Likewise on Instagram. And you can search for us on LinkedIn and uh, look out for our updates. And, of course, we've got some um, live sessions, webinars, coming up as well so make sure you register for those too um i'm lance dot narayan thank you very much for joining me thank you again to my brilliant guests and be sure to join us next time bye bye <laughs>